Good morning, everybody. Y'all fired up? Y'all ready to be here? You guys are ready to be here. Not so sure. Not so sure. I want to kind of get a field here and see who's in the room, kind of in, in the house today. And I just want to ask you some questions. You can respond by raising your hand, hooting and hollering, whatever it is that you want to do. Just kind of stay in your seat or else things are going to get wild. And then, you know what I mean? It's going to go there. So we don't want to go there. But I do want to ask you some questions because I want to see where you are this morning. Who in here would say, you know what? I need some help with changing some bad thoughts. Who would raise their hand and say, you know what? I just don't think right all the time. You raise them up. It's cool. Um, all right. So if you're there, say, man, I need some, I need some thoughts change. Maybe for you, you're, you're kind of going through a season and say, man, I need some, some confidence in my life right now because I'm going through this storm. I'm wrestling with some issues and I need some help with that. Who would raise their hand? Thank you for giving me testimony of that. Who would say, you know what? I just have, there's something in my heart that just seems like it's broken. Now, if we're going to get real on this one, like there's something broken in your heart and say, you know what? There's something broken. I can't put my finger on what it is, but say, I need some healing in my heart. Who would be able to raise their hand? There's, there's a few folks. Thank you for being honest about that. See, here's the thing. What we're going to talk about today is I'm going to give you the pathway into having those things kind of reconciled. I'm going to give you step one, and you've got to take step two, three, four, and five. You track with me so far, right? So what steps am I taking? Step one. And you're taking what? You guys can count. You guys are awesome. That's good to know you're here. Yes, so that's where we're going to be. Now, I do want to kind of start out with you um, and just kind of tell you a brief story. Now, one of the things about my messages is this. I, always, I tend to know where I'm going to start and where I'm going to finish. And this time, I barely know where I'm going to start and I know where I'm going to finish. But the path in between, I've got a lot in my notes. You're just going to have to bear with me. Are you cool with that? All right, good. Either way, I was going to do it. So I was just, just hoping we would be in agreement. Now, what we're going to see today from God's word is if there's a correction that needs to happen in your mind, if there's some brokenness that needs mending in your heart, or maybe there's some realignment with some, some decisions that you've made, what we're going to see is there is an expert of you. There is. Now, I'll tell you by a different way. We trust experts, right? Don't we? Don't we go, we, we go to the experts. If something's broken, we go to the expert. Now, the expert I go to, because I like to save money, is the experts on YouTube. That's where I go to. So I had some plumbing issues like two weeks ago, and before this uh, really, really goes down the drain, didn't, didn't, all right, so before it goes there, um, and I give any more cheesy jokes, um, see, I had this plumbing issue. It was, it, was, it was clean water, not dirty water, so now you can just kind of rest easy, and the weird factor is gone. So I have some, having some plumbing issues, and I would flush my toilet, and then it would like blah, 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 out, uh, underneath the tub. Now, it would be amazing if it was like the Beverly Hillbillies, where it was, it was you know, liquid gold, and it was the oil coming out, but it wasn't. It was just water. So I knew there was a real issue, and I didn't really have a lot of experience in this particular, in, in this particular field. As a matter of fact, I've only had this one time, and it was here, and I fixed it, but I didn't know how to do it. So I went to what I thought was the expert of it. And I went to YouTube. Now, I put all of my, 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 I leveraged everything to go to YouTube, trusting that the person or people, I would look at this video and I would go through and scroll and be like, this guy really knows, looks like he knows what he's doing. And he goes through and he says, if you have a leaky toilet, this is what you do. So I would watch a video in three or four minutes and be like, that looks easy. And then I'd go through and I'd see another video and be like, if you have a leaky toilet, this is what you do. And everybody on there looked like an expert. I was leaning on the expert and their expertise. Now, that's what I did. Now, I fixed it, right? And it's still fixed. And it's not blum, blum, blum anymore. So I went to them who I thought was the expert to fix it. I want to tell you today that there is one expert of you. And, wait for it, it's not you. 
It's not. There's one expert of you, and not only that, we have an expert of you because he created you, and he has given us his written word that then tells us how the expert of you, right? Now, how we can experience him and how we can have expertise to be like him. So not only is he the expert of you, so the, the change of mind that you long for and that you need, the, the, maybe the brokenness in your heart, maybe the brokenness in your relationships, maybe you're trying to make this decision and see what it is that I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do. We want to go to the expert. Now, we could go to a bunch of different places. I mean, we could go to Google. We could go to a self-help book. We could go to a TED Talk. I love TED Talks. Like, they have some of the most random things on TED Talks. I go there and listen to these experts. There are people who are experts of, like, chimpanzees. It's like the weirdest thing of all time. It's like, but you could go to a TED Talk, but they're not the expert of you. You could go to Google. You could go to a self-help book. But if you were the expert of you, wouldn't you have already uh, fixed yourself? Right? So we need something outside of us. So I want us to lean into the expert of us and into the expertise that he, God, has given us. Now, here's where we're going to start. Ephesians six seventeen. If you have a Bible, I would love it if you would open it up. If you don't have a Bible, I have conveniently um, made this on the screen. So you're going to have that. But if you would like to look at a Bible, we love the Bible, digital printed, whatever the case may be. There are actually some Bibles spread throughout the seats. You can open that up. But this is what Ephesians 6, 17 says. It says this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So what is the sword of the spirit? Somebody tell me. All right, I need somebody else to tell me. What is it? What is the sword of the spirit? The word of God, right. So the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That is the expertise that God has given us. If God is the expert of you and he's the expert of me, we need to lean into the expertise that he's already given us. Are you with me so far? I'll take that as a, I don't know, but we'll move on anyway. It's like he is the expert of us. So we're gonna lean into the expertise that he's given us. Now are you with me? Almost convincing. We're moving on anyway. Two things. We've been in, in really, this is week 10. Of, we, are, we are sliding into home. This is the finale of this series called Greater Than because we believe that, that our God is greater than every, every other thing. God is greater than Satan. He's greater than our flesh. And he's greater than the world system that opposes him, that God is greater. Amen? That's what we firmly believe here at Dublin Bible Church. Now, this, this has become kind of bedrock for us. And what we've been talking about are certain elements of spiritual warfare and the armor that God has given us. We talked about things such as the, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. I got it right again. Um, when, I, when I preached that message, I said it wrong over and over and over, but I nailed it. It's like I talked about all these other uh, these, uh, parts of armor, and there are only two pieces of offensive weaponry that God has given us to oppose Satan's work, to oppose the world system, or to oppose our flesh. There's only two. Can you tell me what they are? You don't need to, so I'm going to tell you. First of which is prayer. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. So you want to, when we pray, we literally, when a Christian prays, it's praying that God's will would be done on earth and, and then as, on, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray. And when you pray, it's God's action plan. So it ignites us into what God wants for us. So that's one part of, of the offensive weapon we have. But the other one is the sword of the spirit, which we just said is the word of God. So that's what we have. We only have two pieces of offensive weaponry and the rest is defensive. So what is it that we're supposed to do with this weaponry? We're going to see this in just a moment. I love how the Old and New Testament 
connects, and this is what it says in Psalm 119, verse 11. As a matter of fact, Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's like a marathon, and it's all about the Bible. So if you look at it, it's a chapter of the Bible about the Bible that talks about the Bible in biblical terms. I couldn't say that again if I wanted to, so I'm moving on. So this is what it says in Psalm 119, verse 11. So I just cut to the chase. I, and this, I would love this, I would love it if you could say this honestly about yourself. Like as, as your pastor, even if, if we haven't even met yet, just if I could kind of leverage that and say that I want to kind of pastor you for a moment, I would love this to be said about you. That you have hidden um, God's word in your heart, just as it says here. It says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So the goal of the word of God, ultimately, one of the goals of the word of God is that we would know God, that we would hide God's word in our heart, that we would not sin against God. So that in essence, we would be on God's side, on God's, on God's mission, advancing the kingdom of God, and that we would not be opposing God. Because when we sin, we oppose God. That's what we do. We switch sides and we say, no, I'm going to do my own thing. But I would love it if I could be honest about you and say this about you, that you have hidden God's word in your heart that you wouldn't sin against God. Like that is, that is really one of my life goals is communicating week after week to you that, that you could be honest and say that for yourself. One commentarian said this about the word of God. He said, the word of God comes in the form of comforting reassurance to those who are filled with guilt, remorse, and terror. Stop right there for a moment. And isn't this true? Like the word of God is just, sometimes it's just the comforting reassurance. When we're going through the storms of life, when we're struggling and we feel guilt and when we feel remorse or, or feel terror, and those are real things that we feel, are they not? And yet it's the comforting reassurance. It's just that comfortable blanket. When I think about this for some reason, I think of the quilt my grandma made me and I have it in my house that she made me and it was just mine and she made it just for me. And it's when I remember when I was a child and I would just be wrapped up in that, it just made me feel so good that my grandma spent all those hours making that for me. And to think that the word of God has been created so that you would have the comfortable reassurance around the truths that it holds. But there's the other side of it too, isn't it? And it speaks condemnation and law to those who are either careless of the will of God or proud of their own perfections. You see, you can't have one without the other. I would love to be able to just sit up here and just say, oh, it's awesome, you're doing awesome, life's awesome, all your choices are right, your relationships are right, your forgiveness is right, your thoughts are right, your hearts are right, your will's right, everything's right, but that wouldn't be right. So what I do is I wanna tell you the truth, and, and the truth is this, sometimes the word of God is the comforting reassurance that we need, and then sometimes it is the condemnation and law that we need to bring us back into fellowship with him. Or it's the condemnation and law if somebody's far from God and they're not, they're not even a born-again follower of Jesus, it's that condemnation to remind them that they're not right with God and that they need to turn away from themselves and go to God. You see, it's, it's both, the word of God one of the tendencies that, that we have when it comes to the Bible is to think that, that we can't wield it ourselves, that it's not usable for us, or it's only good for someone else. So I want to give you the bottom line of this talk that we just jumped right off of Ephesians 6, 17. I've got a lot of other scriptures, most of which or all of which will be on the screen. But I want to kind of give you the bottom line because this, this also will tell you what your responsibility is with the word, but also your responsibility in maybe helping others with the word. Bottom line for this talk is this. The Bible is a powerful weapon in the hands of a believer, but it's gentle enough that a born-again child can use it. 
Think of the beauty in that statement. Even if you're not even experiencing this, even if you don't even necessarily even fully believe this, think, think if this were true. That, that it's a powerful weapon. And I think that the Bible is the most powerful weapon in the hand of a believer on, on the world today, in the world today. I think it, it is so powerful, but yet it's gentle enough that a child can use it. Now, I want to kind of stop here for a moment and kind of tell you, maybe cheerlead a little bit um, without the pom-poms, but I want to cheerlead just a little bit for you. If you're a parent, that means that there is a responsibility for you to transfer the word of God to your child. That's your responsibility. That's not my primary responsibility. That's yours. That's not the children's ministry's response, primary responsibility. That's yours. That means it's your responsibility, if you are an adult, to, to get into the Word of God, to allow the Word of God to, to penetrate deeply in you, to change you. That's your responsibility. It also means that if you, are, if you are serving in the children's ministry or you're serving in the student ministry, that you have a great responsibility then too to transfer the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God into our kids, into our students. That means if, if this is true, that it's a powerful weapon in the hands of every believer and it's still gentle enough that a born-again child can use it, that means that there's a huge responsibility for us to minister to our own families. There's a huge responsibility to transfer the Word of God from that, that as adults we would transfer that into our children, primary responsibility, and a great responsibility for our kids' ministry and our students' ministry to make sure we get this right. Because it is a powerful weapon, and we need to teach men, women, and children how to use it. That's one of our life goals around the church. I believe this, the most powerful thing on planet earth is a born-again follower of Jesus that uses the word of God as it was intended. Now, sometimes we just think that the word of God is just for us. And we're like, it's, the, it's either that comfortable reassurance or this condemnation and law that's just for us. But ultimately, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, now this is, the big, this is the big shift. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the word of God is not just to be used for you, on you, by you, but yet it's supposed to be leveraged to advance the kingdom of God. Don't take my word for it. If you have your Bible, please go to the left, just uh, a couple pages to Luke 9. I want to touch on Luke 9, starting in verse 57. And I want to show you ultimately, when we use the word of God, that it's not just for us, it's not just that we feel good, or not just for our relationships, but ultimately God has a design for the word of God that that it would be used to advance the kingdom of God. Luke 9, 57 through 62. This is what it says. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. He's talking to Jesus. Jesus replies, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of God has no place to rest his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service and the kingdom of God. 
So Jesus just sets his tension with these people. People are wanting to pursue their own thing and they're wanting to kind of build up their own little petty kingdom. And Jesus says, no, no, no. If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to advance and you're, you're on planet earth, that means you're not to build your own little petty kingdom that the word of God is not to be used on you, by you, only and for you. But he says, instead, we're supposed to use the word of God to advance the kingdom of God. And when Jesus said this, they would have been like a... You mean what? what? I've got to do what? Let the dead bury their dead. That means I have to, does that mean that I have to turn back from my old, my old guilt and doubt and I have to turn back from my old family and, and, and I have to let go of some things before I can follow Jesus? And, and it doesn't say this in the text, but the answer would have been absolutely Yes. Because when someone commits their life to being a follower of Jesus, no more are we building our own little petty kingdoms. No more are we just chasing our own little will and our own little relationships. No more are we just hiding in our own stubbornness. Instead, we exchange that brokenness of heart. We exchange the, 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 the faulty thinking patterns of our mind and the, and the actions. Instead, we turn all of that in. And now your job, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to be advancing the kingdom of God. So you cannot advance the kingdom of God without the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. You can't advance the kingdom of God unless you know the word of God. So the the word of God is not just for us, but it's to be used in us, to us, but flow through us, advancing the kingdom of God, just as you told me. What I love about this is when we advance the kingdom of God, our, our armor protects the, our front and the Lord protects our rear. You see, when we're advancing the kingdom of God and we're using the armor that he's given us, we're using the helmet of salvation and the, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace and the breastplate of righteousness and we're doing the things and the belt of truth is, is, is firmly placed on us, then we're doing that, we're advancing. And here's just the thing, I'm just, this is just a little tidbit I thought about. If we're, advancing the, if we're advancing, we don't have to have much protecting our rear because we're moving forward. Because that's what a Christian is supposed to be doing, moving forward, not moving backward. And notice this, if you're advancing the kingdom of God, God is pushing us. But yet if you disobey God, you're turning and then exposing your rear to the enemy. Do you think about that? We're to be advancing the kingdom of God as vessels promoting his will on earth. His will on earth as it is in heaven. That's what a follower of Jesus is supposed to do as we are pursuing that. But here's the, here's the rub. The rub is this. The demands of the Bible require decisions. Here's the rub. It, it demands decisions. It requires us to make decisions. Am I going to do what it says? Am I going to believe what it says? Am I going to think what it says? Am I going to do what it says? Am I going to think like it says? Am I going to believe what it says? See, it puts some pretty steep requirements on us. And these, these things come demanding because it, it demands a response. Because when you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you and I are the same in this. I had the same thing this week. Where I, in, my, in my own personal study time, God revealed something to me and just, he just like filleted me open and just showed me something about myself that was a blind spot I had no idea about before this week. He just like cut me open. And he's like, hey, have you ever thought about that? I was like, huh, no. He's like, here, I just showed you. 
See, that's what the word of God does. And yet in, in the midst of that, you have a choice to make. Are you going to do what it says? Or are you going to believe what it says? You have a choice to make. And it requires a decision. Now, I have some examples of these demands. Am I going to do what it says? Am I going to live like it says? Am I going to forgive like it says? Am I going to, to date whom it says I should date? Am I going to share the gospel with whom it says? Am I going to advance the kingdom of God like it says? Am I going to talk like it says I should talk? Am I going to seek peace in my relationships like it says I should? Decisions, decisions, decisions. Am I going to do what it says and advance the kingdom of God or am I going to build up my own little petty kingdom? It requires a response. And yet, when we get demands on us, we typically do these three things. We say, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to think. And don't tell me how to believe. See, that's, that in, in our flesh, at the core of us, that's what we say. Just don't tell me what to do. Don't, don't, don't tell me what to think. And certainly don't tell me what to believe. And you may not like what the Bible demands, but it certainly doesn't change your situation. Because again, if you were the expert of you, wouldn't you already be where you want to be? So we need to lean into the, the reality that God is the expert of you and he's the expert of me. And if we lean into that reality, just trusting that he's the expert of us, wouldn't that demand us, require us to lean into the expertise that he's already given us? A proper response there would be amen. I mean, that would, be, that would be like our goal. That should be what we do. And yet we may not initially like what the Bible demands of us. We may, we may not like that. We may not like what the Bible demands of us. But we can appreciate it all the more when we know that it's for our own good and for his own glory. You see, we may not like what the Bible demands of us. Oh, are you telling me what to think? Yes. Are you telling me what to do? Yes. Are you telling me that I should believe this? Yes. You may not like those demands. And, and just before you start pushing back, like right now is the tension in the room where you're trying to decide, am I going to actually do this? Because I kind of feel uncomfortable with this. But I want you to kind of lean in, even if it's uncomfortable, I want you to lean into this truth because there's a, there's a truth in a passage of scripture I'm going to share with you in just a second that, this, that reveals this truth. Ultimately, when God puts a demand on someone's life, it's for their own good. And it's for his own glory. That's what it is. So although you're, you're put in a situation, do I have to do what it says? Do I have to believe what it says? Do I have to think what it says? It seems like such a steep demand of like, really? Yes, really, because it's for your own good and his glory. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the word of God. Romans 8, 28 says this. And we know that God causes everything to work together with the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Stop right there for a second. Let that soak in. So, so ultimately when God puts a demand on us from his word, from the expertise that he's given us, because he is the expert of you, he's the expert of me, he knows your thoughts, he knows your attitudes, he knows the brokenness in your relationships, he knows your corrupted mind, if that is the case with you, he knows everything about you, and he cuts so deeply into us through the word of God with the expertise that has been given, but it is for your own good. It's not because God is holding you back. Because when he calls us with these demands to do something, it's actually a way of pushing you forward. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, 
You're to be moving forward, advancing the kingdom of God. Not retreating, moving forward. This passage continues. And it says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. That's the goal. Every Christian, to be like Jesus. So that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's the reason why Christians are weird, and they called each other brothers and sisters, because the scripture tells us to. Brothers and sisters, it just got weird. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And have giving them right standing, he gave them his glory. So when God calls us with these demands, it's for our own good and for his glory. Second thing is this. This connects to last week. A Christian is given assurance of true salvation when they, when they accept and obey the word of God. Last week's message, was talk, it, was, it was talking about how can I know that I am a follower of Jesus? How can I know that I'm truly saved? How can I know that I'm truly born again? It didn't answer the question, does God keep those that are saved? That's a whole other question. It was the question, how can I know that I'm saved? How, what in my life will verify that I'm actually in Christ? It's not just the words that I say. It's literally the contemplation of your mind and, and the actions that are driven from your heart. Then verify if you're in Christ. So this is, is what it says about uh, this particular thing in John 14, 20 and 21. He says, when I'm raised again, or when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I'm in the Father and you're in me and I'm in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. So those who accept the word of God, those who accept and obey the word of God are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So when a, a follower of Jesus then accepts the word of God, even if it has a steep demand on us and it tells us what to think or what to, what to think, what to do or what to believe, and it puts such a steep demand on that, if we're advancing the kingdom of God, it, and it says when we, when we accept and obey the word of God, it verifies that we are in Christ. That's what it does. It verifies that, yes, I'm saved because my heart wells up and I want to obey God and I want to accept his commandments. But if in the posture of your heart, you're just pushing back away from God's word, that verifies something else about you. It says, if you're a follower of Christ, it means that you're pushing away from him and maybe it reveals that you're not in Christ at all. You have to accept and obey the commandments. And obey. That was Jesus' Jesus' words, not mine. Now I want to give you some reasons. As a matter of fact, there's 10. There's no significance behind behind this number. It isn't because there's 10 commandments. The reason why there's 10 is because I didn't have 11. You tracking so far? So I want to give you a few of these things on the screen. And maybe one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to, to allow the word of God to absorb in us. And I want to give you three different reasons. The word in the flesh, the world, the flesh, and Satan oppose the word of God. That's the reason why. But that's not enough, so I want to give you 10 examples. They'll be on the screen. I'm going to go through them fast. When we see taking down of monuments of the Ten Commandments, that's the world opposing the Word of God. Second thing, by removing scriptures from public places, that's the world opposing the Word of God. By challenging the reliability of the Word of God in schools, colleges, and universities, that is the world working against the Word of God. Fourth thing, by making Christian discussion unwanted in the public square, that also is the world working against the word of God. I'm not done. 
I'm just getting started. The fifth one is this. I almost said verse 5. This ain't Bible. It's just me. By convincing a parent that they don't know enough to share with their own kids. I got to say that one again. By convincing a parent that they don't know enough to share with their own kids. You see, that's your flesh. That's what that is. Well, I just don't know anything. Well, if you know one thing more than your kids, you have something to share. If you know one thing more than your kids, you have something to share. Still not done. Sixth one. By making us so busy that we can't fit in Bible learning and sharing, that's also our flesh opposing the word of God. By tempting us to believe that we have power apart from the Bible, that's Satan as the deceiver working against the word of God. By convincing believers that they're too broken to use it. Also, Satan as the accuser working against the word of God by giving us less authoritative things to fall back on like Google or self-help books. That's Satan and lies working against the word of God. Tenth one, by tempting us to believe that we can have freedom apart from the truth. That too is Satan as the tempter. You see, Satan knows the only way that a follower of Jesus can win spiritual battles Satan knows that the only way a follower of Jesus can win spiritual battles is by convincing them that they don't need the Bible or seeking to eliminate the truth altogether. Satan knows that he's defeated and he knows that you only have two offensive weapons, one of which is prayer and the other one is the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. He knows you have two offensive weapons. So if he can get a Christian not to fall on their knees to pray or he can get a Christian to put his Bible, his or her Bible on on a table or on a shelf or just kind of store it away, he knows that you will live defeated even even if you've already been given victory. Because victory comes through in the the practicality and the expertise of God's word. Because God is the expert of you, you need to lean into the expertise given in the word of God. And he knows the only way you can have victory is that way. The only way that we can have spiritual victories is by wielding the sword of the spirit well. Now, I want to give you a little caveat. Now, this, I did this once earlier today at the 915 service. I didn't cut my finger off, so that was really good. This could go horribly wrong. This could end up with salmonella and like... We know where that ends up. Or, or it could end up with me getting stitches. And this could, either way, it could be an epic story. So I'm just going to try it either way. But first, I want to show you the scripture that's leading me into it. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the only way to illustrate this, I'm sorry if you're in the back. I'm short and this table's short. So um, you're just going to have to kind of mentally visualize what I'm going to do if you can't see me from here. So um, it's just a little, uh, little piece of chicken. That's all that is. And, and a very sharp, sharp knife. I've never done this before. This is awesome. Um, this is my favorite. Now, I, I want to just kind of do this. Don't fret. I grill at my house. I do this all the time. There we go. Just cut that open. Not even, but it's all right. It'll cook fast on that side. Now, here we go. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like, right? So I tell you this because sometimes it seems like the word of God just fillets us open and it seems like that the word of God, when it fillets us open, it's there to hurt us, but the word of God is used to help us and to heal us. You see, this is a worldly weapon, is it not? Is it not? You scared because I'm just flipping this thing around? I've got, I've got a hold on it, Right? You're only scared if you're over here thinking I'm gonna, it's going to fly out of my hands. I'll put the sheath back on it. 
You breathe easy, right? So this, this would be a worldly offensive weapon, but the, the irony is this. When you use a worldly weapon, when you use arguments or you use just bad attitudes or just the disposition of your heart that opposes other people, you see this becomes dull over time. If I were to do this over and over and over, eventually this knife would become useless. But yet, when we use the word of God, it is the exact opposite. When we allow the word of God to slice into us, to judge our thoughts and our attitudes, and to cut deeply into our heart, not to, not to hurt us, but to help us and to heal us, what happens is the word of God then, as we lean into it, it becomes sharper and sharper, and sharper, and it becomes more and more effective. Every time you use it, a worldly weapon becomes more dull. This becomes sharper on your heart. The word of God is here as the expertise for your very soul. Did you see that? Dividing soul and spirit. Doesn't get much deeper than that, does it? That's what the word of God is for. It is the expertise we need. It is the sword of the spirit, which is what? Tell me. The word of God. That's what it is. It's God's word for us. We cannot advance the kingdom of God unless we know the word of God. And it cuts deeply, not to hurt us, but to help us and to heal us. Because there's brokenness in us that we would not even see outside of the word itself. What we've been talking about for the last six months or so is this phrase, spiritual formation. And spiritual formation itself cannot happen unless the word of God is cutting deeply. It has to cut deeply. If you want to have a deep walk with Jesus, you just can't, you can't just live in the shallowness of your faith. So it has to cut deeply and it judges swiftly and dividing thoroughly into the layers of our heart and mind. You see, we're spiritual formation. If we're to live a life, and that's what we've been talking about for a long time, to live a life like Jesus, to become like Jesus, we have to do what Jesus did. And the way that happens in us is by allowing the word of God to fillet us open, our heart and mind, so that we can be changed. Peeling back the layers of our heart and mind to expose our true self at times. The thoughts and attitudes of the heart have to be changed. They have to be changed to obtain and move forward spiritually. They have to be. They have to be changed. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, it renews our minds, reforms our heart, and realigns our will. This is why it cuts so deeply and judges so swiftly. This is why. Because it's to renew our mind. The, the thinking the thinking patterns that we fall into, the negative thoughts, the, the, the thoughts that are not kind, the thoughts of our coworkers and, and our bosses and our spouses and our friends, the ones that just want to give up on them, the ones that just say, I'm over you, the ones that say, I should have never met you, the ones that say, you know what, I just want a divorce, all of those things, they need to be renewed. And that renewal happens through the word of God. It happens through the word of God. And some of you talked about your heart and I, earlier and I had you raise your hand and you were honest with me and you raised your hand and said, there's something in my heart. You see, there's nothing like the word of God and that's what God uses as he fillets us open to reveal our true broken self so that he can reform us into something new and something whole and you'd be healed and you would be helped and you'd be well. 
That's what the word of God does. It, it fillets us open to reveal our false self and then it puts us back together stronger than before. So it renews our mind. Second thing, it reforms our heart. The last one is it realigns our will. So then when we're in, in the middle of a, well, what should I do? Should I date him? Should I date her? Should I go to this place? Should I drink that thing? Should I go spend that money? What should I do? Should I go buy that? Should I go talk to them? Should I go, what is it? And now all of a sudden, if you have the word of God and you're, you're, you're dwelling in the word of God and you have it, then you have something to realign your will so you don't have to struggle with those kind of decisions. Say, no, 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 no. This, I'm supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God. I need to be advancing the kingdom of God. I need to realign my will with what God says that I should do. And that happens with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's how that happens. So it renews our minds. It reforms our hearts and it realigns our will. And the sword of the spirit helps us to tear down the altars of selfishness, to destroy arguments and demolish strongholds that surround our flesh. And this, these types of things are what we've been talking about for weeks. You and I are, are the same in this. We have to have the word of God continually tearing down altars of selfishness. Tearing them down. By allowing the word of God to, to reform our heart, to renew our mind, and realign our will to continually tear down the, step, the selfishness. The times where like, I just wanna do my own thing. And yet the word of God says, no, 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 this thing's better. Don't chase, don't build your own little petty kingdom. You're advancing the kingdom of God. That's much bigger than your, your small story. God has a great big story that you're a part of with other people. So no, 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 no. I, I just, I kinda wanna do my own thing. Or I, I wanna, maybe in, in your marriage, you're like, I just want some me time and you just want all that. And yet the rest of your family's like, you know what? We need you. And the word of God, when we lean into it and we see what it says for married couples and all of a sudden it fillets that and then it just destroys that altar of selfishness and says, you know what? I'm supposed to be connecting with my family. This isn't about me. Now I'm supposed to be giving to them. And sometimes we, it destroys arguments, the arguments in our mind of, of oh, I just don't want to forgive them because they hurt me. I don't want to be kind because they hurt me. I, I don't want to give compassion. After all, they could get a job. Why do I need to give them money? They could go get a job of their own. They're just lazy. What that is, is that's an argument that you're forming in your mind and the word of God destroys that. And it also demolishes the strongholds around our flesh because this I know about you and this I know about me because I, I, have, I have experienced some of the, the expertise that God has given us. One thing I know is that we have strongholds that are formed around things that oppose God. And it's only the word of God and the spirit of God penetrating those things to tear down the strongholds. I wanna show you very practically how this works. Now, I have a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. I'm going to put it on the screen, but I want you to open your Bible if you, if you want to. Uh, you can open your Bible and read it for yourself. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And when I'm, I want to show you very practically, as I wind down this message, I want to show you something that ultimately will change your life. And I want to show you how you can practically use the word of God to do the very things that I've been talking about. It's one thing for me just to tell you, well, you can, but now I want to show you how. You track with me so far? So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to give you four, four things that I draw from this particular passage. And if you said, you know what, I want to have victory over, over some corrupted thoughts, this is how. 
If you say, you know what, my heart's kind of broken, I need my heart to be reformed, this is how. If you say, I'm just, I'm in the middle, like there's just a way that I'm living that opposes God, I know that it opposes God, or it's certainly not right, this is the way to, to get back on track. Maybe for you, you're just kind of feeling lonely, and you're like, I don't know why I don't have any friends. This would even point to the need, to maybe, and the need, and also maybe the reason why you don't have friends. This is what it says. We're human, Right? Wow, we could stop right there. We're human. Well, that means a lot about us. That means we're pretty much all the same. We're human. We don't have any, nope, no animals in here. Just all humans. So now it's, it's talking to us. But we do not wage war as humans do and use God's mighty weapons, right? So now transition, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. It continues. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. That's what the word of God says. So what this is saying is, there is some truths in the Bible, the expertise that God has given us, that can, that can help us to know where we are and, know, and help us to get out of maybe a bad situation, but also it helps us to avoid that bad situation altogether. So based off of this, this particular scripture, I want to share with these four, these four things. I want to read that passage one more time and went through it really fast. Because I want you to see how this is informed by the word of God. This isn't just my creative words around it. So I'm going to read it again, starting in verse three. We are human, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. How many weapons? How many offensive weapons do we have two? And what are they? Prayer and the word of God. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. First takeaway from this particular passage is this. If a thought comes to mind, capture it. Many spiritual battles are won or lost right here on this simple point. Many spiritual battles, they, they just, people just have these fleeting thoughts and they go and go and go and they, they have a thought and they act on it. Or they have a thought and they speak about it. Or they have a thought and they start to believe it. And yet, if you have a thought, we need to learn how to capture it. You need to capture it because that thought is going to lead you on a path either, either to be like Christ or not to be like Christ. That path is ultimately going to cause you to either chase your own petty little kingdom or to build the kingdom of God. It's as simple and as difficult as that. So the first thing is, if a thought comes to mind, you have to capture it, which means you have to be aware of yourself. Second thing is this. If any thought comes to mind that is not in alignment with God's truth, dismiss it. This is early. So you have this thought that comes and you capture it. And now you're going to do something with it. You're either going to say, yes, this is, this is good for me. This is building God's kingdom. Or you're going to say, no, this is building my little petty kingdom. You're either going to say, yes, I believe that this is for my own good and this is for God's glory. Or you're going to, to, to sit over here and say, you know what? I don't care. I want to do my own thing. But this is, this is the wrestling. 
If any thought comes to mind that's not, no, there you go. If any thought comes to mind that is not alignment with God's truth, dismiss it. It's this tension to where you have a choice to make. If it's not alignment with God's truth, dismiss it. Third thing is this. If any opportunity comes up that would drive you to do or to say something that is not true, avoid it. If any opportunity comes up and you're going to have an opportunity as soon as you start talking to people later today or as soon as you go to work tomorrow, you're going to be presented with opportunities. We all are. And yet, if an opportunity comes up that would drive you to do or say something that is not true, avoid it. You see, if you've, if you've captured it, You've dismissed it, and now you're seeking to avoid it. Now you, you know that this, this particular opportunity is, is not the best for you. It's not in alignment with, with, with advancing the kingdom of God as a child of God. It's not in alignment that, that you're a citizen of heaven, and a citizen of heaven should be the best citizen on earth, advancing the kingdom of God, and we advance the kingdom of God by looking at the expertise that he's giving us, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if any opportunity comes up that will drive you to do or say something that's not true, you just simply avoid it. Because that's not God's best for you. And that's not going to glorify him. Told you there was four. Here's number four. If any situation pushes you to compromise truth, escape from it. If any situation pushes you to compromise truth, escape from it. Do Whatever you have to do to escape from it. You see, if you've captured the thought, you don't just have a runaway mind, a runaway life, runaway words, runaway beliefs, runaway actions. You've, now you're, you've captured it, you've obeyed it. You've dismissed the thing that's not the right thing for you. And now maybe you find yourself in a situation that pushes you to compromise truth. You need to escape from it. What this also means is this, parents, listen up, please. What this also means is parents, that means that you need to always be a phone call away from your kids, even if your kids have made a series of bad choices. And now if we're going to actually live a life in alignment with the truth of God's word and do this, that means that you need to allow your kids the the confidence in knowing you're going to pick up the phone, even if they've made some bad choices. And maybe they're one choice away from compromising their purity, maybe one choice away from compromising everything that they believe. They have to know that you're a safe place to go and you will not judge them. That's what that means as parents. That means that you may not approve of everything they've done or everything they've said or what they're currently believing, but what you've done is you've made yourself available and you've given them a level of escape. Parents. But also that means something if you, if you serve in DBC Kids or in Arise. This also means that, that as we're, we're getting to, into the real aspects of, of what it means to be a kid trying to pursue Jesus or a student trying to pursue Jesus, that means that they have to also be available. If that's you, that means you also need to be available with these students to say, I want to help you to make sure that you don't compromise the truth. I want to help you not, I want to help you to avoid making bad choices. I want to help you to advance the kingdom of God. And we don't do that through our own opinions, do we? We do that because we know that God is the expert of us and his word is the expertise we need. So how about maybe for the first time, 
I'm going to get real. That you stop making mistakes. Stop making decisions and stop making mistakes. And stop living with these corrupted thoughts. And stop living with your heart being so broken all the time. And lean into the expert and the expertise of you. Of you. That means we don't just lean on our own understanding. We lean on his expertise. And that's found, and it's known as the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are fantastic. Your love is overwhelming. I'm so thankful that you perfectly lived out all of these truths that you call us to live out now. And Lord Jesus, we we just so need your grace right now to do the things that you're leading us to. I know that in this room that there are people who are kind of wrestling with, am I going to do what it says? Am I going to think like it says? Am I going to... Am I going to believe like it says? Lord Jesus, please realign our, mind, our, our hearts and our will. Realign every part of us, Jesus, into what you want for us. Lord Jesus, if, if these people in here are children of God, give them the direction that they need to advance the kingdom of God on earth. And do your will. Amen. Amen. Well, everybody, um, as we dismiss, I want to bring one thing to your attention, and then I will, I will let you go. Um, next week, we start a brand new series, and you don't want to miss this. This would be a great opportunity. This, this would be the Christmas series, but it's not a typical Christmas series. This would be an awesome opportunity um, for you to come back, but also to invite someone, maybe who's far away from God. Um, this is going to be a different kind of look and perspective on Christmas. And it's not going to be the, the Jingle Bells version. It's going to be very much the Jesus version of, of Christmas. And that's what we firmly believe in. And, uh, and hopefully, um, by God's grace, we'll all be changed by it. So thank you very much for your time and attention. Have a great rest of the day.